0: This is Gemma and liz from grow your mindset this is our mindset and new interview session today and we are super excited because we've got with us um james anderson um who's going to <laughs> talk to us today who's inspired us on our journey um i'm not going to say too much because i would like james to introduce himself and talk about who he is and what he does so over to you james
1: uh, thanks Gemma. Um, look i'm a chunky by trade i'm a teacher just like you guys um, I left the classroom uh, early 2000s and sort of started this journey around teaching students to be better thinkers. And I started working with Art Costa and Bernard Habits of Mind. And then um, it turned out that this work around growth mindset was a foundation to that work. That you couldn't do the thinking skills work and the dispositions work until you started with that foundation of a growth mindset. So I built that work from. You know, my work with teachers built this concept of an agile learner who is someone that uh, understands they're capable of growth which is the growth mindset part but also knows how to go about achieving the growth which is the uh, the habits of mind and the virtuous practice part so now i uh, spend my time with teachers talking about how to develop agile learners mm. So,
2: in that case, then, James, what makes you so passionate about education? So, you were a teacher and you come out of it, but you're still within that educational setting, just like myself and Gemma. So, what makes you so passionate about being involved in that area?
1: What makes you two so passionate about
2: it?
1: (laughs) It's like that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think back to when I started teaching, I, I didn't intend when I left school to be a teacher. Um, at the time, I thought I could be a really good teacher, but um, I didn't think that was a good, good enough motivator to actually do it. And then I suppose I went through university, I just decided no, that that's what I want to do. And I was fortunate to meet a couple of really passionate uh, leaders that became my mentors. And um, I still remember Joanne Roberts very early in my career. She was talking about, she's my middle school principal, and she asked me um, what I was going to do to um, help students become better thinkers. And I just went, what do you mean?" <laughs> and that, just that question, you know, how do we teach kids to be better thinkers? I think has been the touchstone of all the work I do. Because the growth mindset part is the understanding you're capable of becoming a better thinker. And then the rest the Agile Learner part is actually the becoming, the better thinker. Mm. So uh, just to see the kids grow, to see the influence that you can have over a generation, because uh, more than ever, I mean, look at the situation we're in now. We're right, just coming out of lockdown, as the COVID-19 virus. And more than ever, we need students that can raise the bar, that can mm-hmm. embrace challenges like this and grow and grow and grow from it um and so i think it's a, a really important point in history to in education and yeah it's, it's certainly what do, what
0: do you call teachers in australia what did you call them what's the nickname
1: underpaid <laughs> 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 <No>. <laughs>
2: that's all around the world isn't it yeah i think so <laughs> Is it chucky's or something Chalky,
1: like chalkboards
2: chalky Chalky's. oh chalk and talk no, oh, right. okay. <laughs>
1: Chippies are carpenters.
2: Yeah. yeah, I love it. Chalky,
0: I've not heard that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pinch that one and use it. That we're all chalky. I love it.
1: Like got whiteboards and computers, it just doesn't work as well.
0: Work. I was gonna say times have changed. Yeah, whiteboard penny doesn't work, does it? Oh wow. <laughs> um, so you, the the reason sort of why we um, came across your work is because we we well Liz looked at Agile Learner. And that for us was a bit of a, 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 a game changer for us because it made sense of Carol Dweck's book in terms of what growth mindset should look, sound and feel like in, in an educational setting. So you talked about growth mindset being the foundation and giving us like a brief summary of what an agile learner is, um, but can you tell us a little bit more about an agile learner, maybe talking about the, the, the continuum that you mentioned and and other bits and pieces to become an agile learner. What does that involve?
1: Yeah, look, this, this is the book you're talking about, and it's uh gives yeah. me. A look, here we go. we got all three, you've got yours, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Uh, you
2: couldn't have planned that, could
1: you? we <laughs> <have> planned Jimmy would have heard it as <laughs> well.
2: We'd a bit like a room at one of those spinny um, slot
1: machines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, the, as, as I said, the definition is um, an agile learner is someone who both understands that they're capable of growth, which is that growth the mindset part. But uh, as I say in the agile learner, a growth mindset isn't the growth. And I think that's one of the big misunderstandings. The growth mindset's not growth. It's just the understanding that growth is possible. Mm -hmm. And it's entirely possible to have a growth mindset and not achieve the growth. Because all the growth mindset does is say, look, I I can grow. I should do something about changing. But if you don't do the right something, Mm -hmm. you still don't grow. So Mm -hmm. the agile learner is someone who understands the capable growth, but also understands the process they need to go through in order to achieve background so it's about bringing those elements in that I, I started with and you know, started with the habits of mind in my career that was my first big passion and art Kostra and Medi Calic have been mentors of mine for more than 20 years now it's an absolute pleasure to work with them but we found when schools were working with habits of mind a lot of them became labels a lot of them became was a lot of teaching about the habits not for the habits and a lot of schools didn't see the improvements that we wanted to see. And so, what happened was we um, recognised some schools saw extraordinary changes with the habits of mind. But they saw them because they came at it through a growth mindset. And they didn't know it, they hadn't read Carol work, and they didn't call it a growth mindset, but that's what they were doing. And so, that put me on this path. And I don't think I'm answering your question now. <laughs> asking to find But that's that sort of putting the ideas together. That's where I was coming from. And so we started putting growth mindset together with Habits of Mind. And then I discovered the work of Anders Ericsson. Um, Now, you might know Anders Ericsson through the 10,000-hour rule. Malcolm Gladwell made that very popular, um, and others as well. Uh, But Anders Ericsson's the expertise expert. He talks about the process you go through to achieve the growth. And it's about that stretch and that challenge and so forth. And uh, it wasn't until we put those three ideas together the idea you could grow, the behaviours you needed to engage in, and the process through which you had to engage those behaviours, that we actually got a really coherent picture about what it actually took to achieve significant growth. It certainly wasn't sitting in your bedroom at night visualising it, you (laughs) you, you don't believe your way to success. It wasn't just about working hard, by just putting in the hours, because you had to put them in in a certain way, that stretch and challenge. And it wasn't just about using the behaviours you had. You had to develop those habits of mind to succeed at increasingly difficult tasks. And bringing those three together was, I think, a, a breakthrough moment for my thinking. Um, and, you know, that you've seen value in that is, is enormously gratifying. And I thank you for what you've taken out of it.
0: Yeah, but everybody needs just hold your book up again, James, because it, it is a must read if you're really interested in the development of mindsets and taking it that step further. James's book, go yeah. get it, <laughs> definitely.
2: <laughs> so, so, obviously, um, being coming from t- we're all coming from teacher backgrounds and we see the value of developing mindset. But why do you think it's so important, James, for children to become more mindset-aware in developing their mindset? Why Um, do you think
1: that's so important? Yeah, look, a big question with lots of answers.
2: Mm.
1: I think at the heart of it, when you come right down to what the the difference between fixed and growth mindset is, and we talk about the continuum, but a growth mindset, or how growth-orientated your mindset is, is a reflection of how well you understand your capacity to exercise free will. Look, I, there's a few things, well, there's a lot of things I don't understand, but I've got a few big questions about you know, life, the universe, and everything. And one of them is free will. I, I don't get free will, I don't understand why we have it and other things don't seem to have it. But it is a big part of what makes us human. And more than anything else, I, I would like you to, like children, to exercise their free will. And when we tell kids, you're this, you're musical, and you're not that, when we allow ourselves to be the victim of a personality test that categorises us and we're cut out for those sorts of, they're all fixed mindset messages and they build boundaries around us. And when we build boundaries and limit ourselves like that, it takes away people's choice to do something else. Mm. So if we want people, like, you know, our students, our children, to be fully human then they've got to be aware of their capacity to exercise their free will to choose to become the person they want or need to become and we talk a lot about this you know free will and do what you like it's not really about that it's about doing what you need to do see when someone with a fixed mindset confronts a challenge like we're in at the moment what they do is they look inside themselves They say, am I the sort of person who can deal with this? Have I I got this? Mm. And nine times out of 10, the answer will be no. And then you become the victim of your circumstance. I I can't deal with this. I'm not like that. Mm. Someone with a growth mindset finds Mm. himself in a situation like this, um, facing adversity. And the only difference between challenge and adversity is the source. It's the same thing. It pushes Mm. us outside our comfort zone. A challenge we choose, adversity chooses us. But the person with the growth mindset says, I'm not the sort of person that can deal with this today. But there is a process I can go through that will make me into the sort of person who can. Mm. And so when I talk about the agile learner in depth, I talk about the person that becomes the person they need to become. That you can be fairly selfish and drive your own life to be what you want to be. But someone who is truly an agile learner will embrace challenges and adversity around them to become the the heroes in the world. And they might be the Nelson Mandela's. Nelson Mandela didn't want to be president of South Africa. He just said, someone needs to do something about this. So he did what had to be done. But they don't have to be the heroes in history. They can be the heroes in your own life. They're the people that had their career planned and knew what they were going to do, and then they suddenly found themselves with a profoundly disabled child. Mm. Now, some people would go, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm out of here. And other people go, Well, I've got no idea how to deal with this. But now I have to become the person who can. And Mm -hmm. so it gives you that capacity to become who you need to become. It doesn't take away your free will, it gives you the choice to become that person. And I think when you ask me why I think growth mindset is so important, without that starting point, without that, I understand I'm capable of change you become the victim of the circumstances around you.
2: -hmm.
0: just to pick up on something that you said there in terms of, um, that we, we about acknowledging that we've got this free will and we have got a choice, but then there is like, um, a a large group of us uh, as adults as well, that worry about actually where we fit in and like almost want to be pigeonholed into a direction because then, they know where they are in society. Does that make sense of you experience? Oh, that? Thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that idea of the fixed mindset world, you know, what am I, where do I fit, where are my limits, and all that sort of stuff, uh, can be very comforting. Yeah. Knowing that this is all that can be expected of me, well, you can't blame me for not doing that. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. comfortable place to be. Yeah. However, when you, and it can be, when you first get confronted with these ideas, it can actually be really threatening. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people sort of live in their little bubble, <laughs> you know, in, the, in our moment, time now, I talking about bubbles. But we live <laughs> out of a comfort zone.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you can't expect me to be that, you can't expect me to be that, this is all I am. And you know, this is... and when you come along and say, actually, no, you're quite capable of doing this or this or this, I'm just gonna show you how to do it. The first reaction can be quite confronting and they'll push back. Mm-hmm they'll say no 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 because sort of in a backhanded kind of way you're saying you've wasted a whole lot of your life Mm. by not choosing to go there thinking because you think you could never succeed you have wasted all this time Mm. and the first reaction is often fear and pushing back the second reaction after a period of time is liberation Mm. Like you mean I I can do those things that's great you mean I, I don't have to be a father the same as my father was I can change I don't have to repeat that I don't have to live with the limits imposed by other people I can become the person I want it becomes liberating mm-hmm. but in the first instance because you've been so comfortable in the fixed mindset excuses we often talk about that above the line below the line that the fixed mindset below the line behaviors about blame denial excuses but when you start operating from a growth more growth orientated mindset it's about some um, accountability and responsibility and uh, ownership. I think this was the third one. <laughs> you take care of yourself, and so you're no longer that victim that you you have been living your life as.
0: Yeah, that's great. So well, obviously, we've been totally inspired by um, what you talk about, and we we often watch you on YouTube, and we keep up to date on social media and what you're getting up to, and that that really inspires us.
1: It's always but nice to the other two fans, are <laughs>
2: <laughs> you like, you know, me and Liz have already talked about
0: coming to Melbourne we've already discussed it <laughs> but um, in terms of you know, when you've done training has there any, ever been somebody that's gone you know this this, this is wrong this is not right this is not for me and mm. and how have you dealt with that because it can be you know when you put so much effort into something and you truly believe something and somebody doesn't go along with it Is that frustrating for you? Is it? How does
1: that make you feel? Yeah. Look, it happens. There's always pushback, like I was just describing. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, I've always been told that I was the smart one, and my sister was the artistic one, and we didn't know what our little brother was, and we'd grown up believing that. And, you know, and now I, yeah, we come along and run these workshops and say, no, you, you're not. Don't have to be a category. You know, there's when you see categories in the real world. You're seeing a moment in time. And the moment in time you're seeing is the end result of a whole lot of specialization, a whole backstory that you didn't see. And anyway, we can go through that story another time. So the question was about have I ever had someone push back? Everyone pushes back a little bit. Like, you, you if you're not getting pushed back, you're not pushing the right buttons, you're not actually challenging their thinking. But the person you're asking about really is I did have one person who pushed back really, really hard. Um, to the point where they just said, at morning tea, it was a full day workshop, they said, James, I think we should stop the workshop, you're wasting our time, this doesn't, you know, this is not true. Um, yeah, clearly people are this, or they are that, and our job is to categorise them and work out which ones are which, and put them in the box in the world. Um, at the time, and this was several years ago, I did have, didn't have any idea at all how to deal with them. And frankly, they behaved like a naughty year nine child for the rest of the day. <laughs> and it was one of the most difficult situations professionally i've encountered having said that it was difficult because it pushed me outside my comfort zone i didn't know how to deal with it normally when we're working we want to be in our performance zone we want to be doing our best because that's what people expect of us but circumstances pushed me outside my comfort zone i didn't know how to deal with it so i made mistakes on reflection though i learned an awful lot from that one situation and some of it I was just telling you about that what that person was doing was pushing back against a lifetime of boundaries they'd put up against them and I had been the whole problem was compounded because in this particular situation I was in a regional country town in a small school where this student where this teacher had gone to school at the school Had grown up in this community his whole life, left for three years to go to university, come back and talk to that school in his whole life. So his whole life had been in this little community um, and his identity revolved around being a particular way. And he wasn't performing particularly well in his role, but that was all right because he was just like that and you couldn't expect him to do what other people were doing because they were like that. And I came in and in an hour and a half, fairly disrespectfully I think in hindsight uh, tore down all these defenses mm-hmm. and here I was basically calling him out for being a fraud all of his life so he how he saw it and um, and I was leaving at the end of the day and he was going to spend the rest of his life with this in the same community so he pushed back really really hard mm-hmm. so what I learned from that is that when we do this work um, we've got to be very respectful you know we really respectful not to stigmatize a fixed mindset not to say it's a bad thing to have It just is it's the end result of all these messages you've grown up with all these things that have become self-fulfilling prophecies when you say i'm not one of those you don't do those things so you stay not one of those and as Erikson talks about that he says the number one reason most people can't sing is that at some point in his life, in your life someone told you you can't sing and at that point forward you didn't do any more practice so once you categorize like that you just don't grow so i've learned to be much much more respectful of where people have come from to be much softer about how you approach your current set of beliefs because the fixed mindset's not bad it just is it, it's just where you are and if we're going to talk about changing beliefs we're going to touch on things that are um you know, core of people's beliefs you know core of who they believe they are and so being respectful, being gentle, and particularly from a leadership perspective, being very mindful of not stigmatising the fixed mindset to say, just, yeah. where are you? Why? why are you? Ask you two questions. You look at that continuum, say, where are you? Why are you there? What you know, series of experiences have got you there? And what do we need to address? What are the underlying beliefs you're working from? that will help you us move you towards this end because mm-hmm. the beauty of all this and i think the the real beauty of the agile learner the work behind it carol dweck's work art costa better work and Adam ericsson's work is that they're not good ideas mm-hmm. they, they didn't dream them up they yeah. observed them in the real world and it could be that we do live in a fixed mindset world i mean it could be that some people are this and some people are that and if that was the case our job as educators should be to identify those people as early as possible, to be diagnostic, to say, look, Liz, we've measured you, you've got no mathematical ability at all, so we won't send you to maths class because we're just setting you up to fail. But that's not the world we live in. The research is in, the world we live in is that, well, the bodies we live in have this amazing ability to rewire their brain. And then when, when you talk about kids and their abilities, we're not trying to tap into what's in their brain. Mm-hmm. We're trying to create something new. Something that allows them to do things they couldn't do before. And I love the term that Anders Ericsson uses. He talked about, he says that, he talks about potential. And he says that um, learning, schooling, education is not a way of um, reaching your potential. It's a way of building your potential. That we often look at this word of potential, it's a very fixed way we use it, about tapping into it, achieving and so forth. And when we realise that the reason we live in a growth mindset world is that our brain rewires itself to create abilities that were not there before, um, it's extraordinary. And you asked me before about why I'm a teacher. I describe teachers now, and I think this is the, the exciting part about being a teacher. The term I use to describe teachers, I don't talk about them as being teachers or educators. They're neural engineers. Uh, they're rewiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: no, hey, Mark. No um, <laughs> Take that <one> <laughs>
1: <now>. <laughs> when, you, when you look at a student, when you look at a student who's struggling with the work you're setting them, you've got to look at them and say, well, the reason you're struggling is your brain doesn't do it. Right? Your brain's not capable of doing it. I can see that. You're, you're trying it and you're failing. My job as your teacher is to do, create an environment that the end result of which is rewiring your brain. So it's capable of doing the things I'm asking you to do. And when I look at high achievers, I'm looking at people who have spent a lifetime slowly rewiring their brains. They've got better brains than I have, and you have. But more importantly, they've got better brains than they had when when they were on our, where we are in our journey now. They rewired Mm -hmm. it, rewired it, rewired it to become the person they are today. They didn't discover their abilities. No one sits down in front of the piano and goes bo, 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 bo. Oh, I can play yeah. <laughs> no wonder everyone starts oh, and yeah, we might go down the floor, but that's the idea yeah brilliant, <laughs>
2: brilliant. I must admit there as you were talking then James something resonated with me. me me and Gemma mention this all the time in terms of when you become more mindset aware of your own mindset and your understanding of your fixed and your growth and you're on that continuum, you become so much more empathetic and compassionate towards the people around you. Um and yet you're, you're not constantly psychoanalysing people, but you do recognize where they may be on that continuum, but also the the reasons for their reactions and their language and their behaviours, there's always a reason behind that, and it's that. That journey that we don't know about, like you just mentioned about the person in your oh. training, that makes us become so much more empathetic. I think.
1: Do you agree exactly. with that, Gemma? It makes you very yeah. humble. I think yeah, really that, yeah. in the mindset world, you're always trying to compete and compare. And um, and I think I often tell a story about uh, Roger Federer. You now, Roger Federer today, not always, but today, is one of, I think the exemplars of someone with a growth mindset. And when I when I see him compete, I don't think he actually competes anymore. Have you seen him lose? Have you seen Roger Federer lose from time to time? No. Roger Federer, when he loses, will go up to the person who's beaten him and congratulate him and and say thank you. Not just congratulate them, but say thank you, because he understands that. When you when you deeply understand your capacity to grow and to change, you know it's not a competition to beat somebody else. All you're doing is trying to be better than yourself. Mm-hmm. And when Roger Federer goes out and wins six love, six love, six love, he learns nothing about how to become a better player. When he goes out and gets pushed, when he goes out and gets beaten, thank you. You're one of the few people in the world that can show me how to grow, how to develop, how to become a better player. I think when you get to that standard, you you don't compete anymore, you engage in what I call coopetition, where you're only in it to find out how far you can push yourself. Of course you like to win, don't get me wrong, you like the prize money and the, all the rest of it, and proving that you can get there. But it's more about your own growth. And so when you see yourself as fundamentally changeable and not in com- competition and comparison to other people, it does, it allows you to be really humble in what you mm-hmm. do. Rather so than, totally
2: opposite to John McEnroe then.
1: <laughs> exactly the opposite to John McEnroe. That's not, it's all about, you know, I'm the best and if I'm losing, it's your fault because you're a terrible umpire. You
2: know,
0: that's, yeah. yeah. Well, that's wow. I love that comparison because you show that you can have a fixed mindset and still achieve and you can still be successful like uh, McEnroe was, who you know, in his day. But the interesting bit with um, Federer is that that journey that he he makes a really good comparison, um, and mm. I think that's like a bit of a misconception really that unless you have a growth mindset you cannot be successful. Because that that that's out there as well.
1: <laughs> so I, I was just going to say you raised an important point though that yeah. you don't need a growth mindset to grow. Yeah. All you need to do is go through the right set of actions. If you've got the mm-hmm. right behaviours and get forced often through the process, you'll grow. Yeah. But the growth mindset makes it easier. Yeah. It makes you more inclined to accept those mistakes as temporary things. It, I, I often talk about the um, the fixed mindset is like be, having a handbrake on your growth, mm-hmm. and the, the growth mindset is the accelerator. That
2: mm-hmm. so you can
1: get, you can grow more quickly with the growth mindset. the you don't need it. There's plenty of people with a growth mindset, fixed mindset that have achieved. Mm. And the flip side of that is that there's plenty of people with a growth mindset that don't achieve. I think that's really important for teachers to understand too, that just this growth mindset part doesn't guarantee the growth. Mm. You know, just as you can grow, it doesn't tell yeah. you how to grow. And that's a big part of the work we've got to do.
2: Yeah. Plus as well, you'd see a big if you compare those two tennis players, just their holistic well-being would be massively different as well. So, you know, your stresses and your anxiety of McEnroe compared to Fedora it would just be on a different scale. So developing that growth mindset orientation, I feel for me personally has changed my whole wellbeing and my outlook and my perspective on things, which has to be a benefit.
1: Yeah. and I think that's where the power of Dweck, Costa and Kyle and Erickson's work comes from as an Mm. observation of the human condition. And I think that when you operate in alignment with the way the world really works, then you can be humble, you can be gracious, you can be generous. Whereas if you try to work in ways that, you know, against the way the world really works, uh, then you come up against those, you know, blame and excuses and stress and everything else that goes with it. I Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a real, gift and a real freedom in understanding your capacity to exercise your free will, to be able to say, this is just me today, I can change and yeah. understand what you need to do to do that. Um, mm. It does a lot more than just, you know, increase your literacy and numeracy results.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. The bigger picture, mm. definitely. So, bearing in mind that and Teachers that may be watching and really for starting to resonate and think about developing growth mindset, what would your top five tips be in implementing growth mindset within an educational setting?
1: All right, so top five. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I, I prepared something earlier, so if my Ooh. eye. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Think
2: that,
1: um, first off, I'm a math teacher, so there's six. All right. <laughs> now if you if you're thinking about implementing growth mindsets in your schools um and i think you should in fact now there's seven you shouldn't start right you shouldn't start doing this work first thing you're going to recognize is that you are doing it whether you like it or not you are influencing mm. students mindsets the only question in front of you is do you want to do a better job of it and create more growth oriented mindsets or are you just going to keep doing what you're doing which is mixed yeah. some growth mm-hmm. mindset messages some fixed messages so your only choice is to do it better not to start once you've started because obviously that's the only choice that's really in front of you um, is to recognize that the growth mindset is not growth the growth mindset's not growth it's just the understanding that growth is possible it's the invitation to grow but someone with a fixed mindset says i can't change so they sit on their bum and don't do anything about it with so the growth mindset says, I can change, but just getting up doesn't make the change. You've got to engage in the right set of behaviours. That's where the habits of mind, the virtuous practise comes in, and that idea of the agile learner sort of takes centre stage. So the second point is that point about agile learners, that teach them how to achieve the growth. And in fact, if you just did that, if you just taught students, how to go about achieving the growth and then uh, help to make sure they recognize the growth you will see them develop a growth mindset Mm -hmm. because when you look at the authentic growth mindset examples in Carol Dweck's book the people she discovered in the wild with growth mindset the way they discovered their well no the way they came about their growth mindset was that they discovered they could grow and could change and they said well if i change from here to here I'll change from here to here. And that's where the real growth mindset comes from. So, if you just taught them how to grow and made sure they recognize that growth, and because sometimes we hide it from them, we use moving measuring sticks. I'm a C, I'm a C, I'm a C, I'm a C, I'm a C. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And the third tip would be just stop trying to achieve a growth mindset. All right, don't go into this you know, whole school initiative where all the kids are going to have growth mindsets because you're setting up to fail. Mm. Your success with this work isn't going to be measured by the number of students with growth mindsets. It's a fallacy. There are no fixed mindsets. There are no growth mindsets. We're all somewhere on this mindset continuum. And um, the way to measure your success is by how far you've moved kids through that continuum. Mm. And it won't be far, right? You don't get these overnight huge changes It'll be slow, progressive changes by introducing little shifts, little shifts, little shifts over long periods of time. And so your strategy is not posters on the wall. Your strategy is an environment rich in what I call positive mindset movers. And to help you create that will be my last um, one in a minute. The next one, one, two, three, four, I think I'm up to. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. You are.
1: You are. <laughs> yeah, get yeah, I yeah. well, do you want to spend half an hour on each. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the next one is uh, beware the false mindset. This is your biggest threat in your work in schools or in homes, anywhere else. And the false mindset comes from someone who intellectually understands what fix and growth is. They might even be your growth mindset advocate in the school. They've adopted lots of growth mindset strategies. They're doing the praise effort and all the rest of it. But because they haven't spent the time doing the deep work themselves, reflecting on their own mindset, what actually comes out of their mouth, what actually happens in their actions can send much more fixed messages. So for example, I worry, and I worry about this a lot, about the number of schools who have adopted praise effort as a growth mindset strategy, but it's turned into praise struggling students for effort. And what's actually happening in classrooms is, you know, good to see you working so hard great keep up the hard work and then the next student well done you've got that exactly right mm-hmm. instead of going you know, great work you're working hard there and going to this student going oh that wasn't hard enough for you was it really what yeah. we need you to do doing in this classroom is everyone should be struggling because that's a sign you're in your learning zone
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: struggle's got to be the norm not yeah. the excuse As long as you tried your hardest so and and that's what happens when you haven't deeply reflected on your own mindset because your mindset you don't get to choose it you can't say i've got it it's not what you do when you're thinking it's what you do when you're not thinking it's part Mm -hmm. of what scientists call psychologists call your unconscious bias it's the fact that when you talk to that student you use this voice and you're really smiling you expect them to do well and when you talk to that other student, you go, "Look, that's fine. Just handle it out like it is."
0: Yeah.
1: And you didn't mean it, and you didn't mean to direct all the difficult questions to those three students, and just a consolation question every now and then to that student. But you did it because that was the default you were working from, and that's where the false mindset really undermines our work. Mm. So be aware of the false mindset, and the only way to address it is to deeply reflect on your own mindset as a teacher. The fifth strategy, and this is the strategy, right? The growth mindset strategy it all comes back to this. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> it's to log onto my website and I'll tell you. You've got to edit that part out, all right? You're not allowed to include that part in the, the bit. You gotta have a nice little fade here, and that one comes out. <laughs> all right. No, no. So the, the fifth strategy and I think this is the growth mindset strategy, um, is backstories. Mm -hmm. It's all about backstories. Fundamentally, what someone with a a fixed mindset sees is you like this and me like this, and there's a gap between us. And I call that the greatness gap. Mm -hmm. And when, when you see that, and you go, well, you're there because you're just like that, and I'm here because I'm like that, then that is the heart of the fixed mindset. The growth mindset says, Well, if you're here and I'm here, but you weren't always there. You used to be here like me and you did, did, did something to become. There's this pathway between where I am now and where you are then or now. And I can travel that pathway and become like you are now. And when you realize that, you realize that the number one growth mindset strategy is to build that backstory. To understand the backstory of this person where they've come from what they did to get there and to build your forward story to get to here and i think the um the story i love about this one that i think really highlights it is the story and i'm not sure how much truth is involved it might be one of these sort of you know, things that have got a part truth in it but it's, it illustrates the point the stories of um, Picasso, And Picasso was sitting on a park bench in Central Park, New York, and he was quietly sketching away to himself. And uh, a lady recognised him fairly boldly, I think. So they came up to him and said, oh Picasso, Picasso, I love your work. Um, Would you mind, if you've got a moment, would you mind doing a quick sketch for me? It's a bit bold, isn't it? But um, (laughs) Picasso sort of goes, oh, you're all right, flips over the page and does a sketch for this lady and tears it out and hands it over. And you can imagine the response of this, like, oh, thank you, this is brilliant, thank you so much. And Picasso goes, that'll be 50 grand, thanks very much. <laughs> and the lady's a bit taken back. And she said, f- 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 50 grand? How can you possibly charge $50,000 for two minutes' work? This is outrageous. And has gone, sorry, Miss, I, I think you've misunderstood me. That, that picture didn't take me two minutes. That picture took me a lifetime. Mm -hmm. See, all the value is not in the two minutes spent sketching. The value is in the lifetime becoming the person who can do the sketch in two minutes. But when you see Picasso sitting on the park bench, when you see the Olympian standing on the podium, when you see the person performing on stage, all you see is the moment. And Mm -hmm. if we delete their backstory, we create that greatness gap and in it, the myth of the fixed mindset. So every growth mindset strategy we use will be about acknowledging, creating that backstory. And everything I do in all my workshops, the way we talk about assessment, the way we talk about praise, the way we talk about effort, the way we talk about growth, all comes back to that core idea of backstories. Yeah. And so if you're gonna to go to a um, growth mindset workshop with you guys or with anybody else, and you're gonna do a mind map, the middle word for me is always backstories. Yeah. So that, that's the big one. Yeah. And the sixth one of the five, <laughs> but it comes back to it and, and sort of ties them all together in a way. If our biggest threat to this work is the um, false mindset, and if the hard work is about changing our own mindset, we need some help. Uh, good intention well-intentioned people trying to do the right thing will fall victim of a lifetime of being brought up in a particular way. You know I spent 30 years of my life being told you're this and so it's perfectly natural for me to say well you're one of those and you're one of those and it just comes out of me all the time. So you need to create as leaders if you're doing this as a school or as a family, you need to create little what the psychologists call nudges and and nudges are are little things that they don't take away your free will it's not like what social media tells you to do and says praise efforts
0: because
1: if you just say praise ever put the words in your mouth don't say you can't say you can't yet things like that um we haven't explained some of your listeners are going to go oh doesn't he like the not yet no i don't (laughs) um But the point here is, what am I talking about? I'm talking about nudges. Uh, When we talk about, you know, just praise effort, we fall victim to our unconscious bias and fall into that false mindset and praise struggling students for effort, things like that. But I wanted to do it right. So what I need to do is to create just a little reminder that when that situation comes up, I'm more likely to create a positive mindset mover than to create a negative mindset mover. And I'll, I'll share just one with you that I think is really powerful. When you group students, you know, when you talk about categories and things like that, whether you're a parent talking about your own children or you're in a classroom grouping students, always group by verbs, not adjectives. Right, group by what you do, not who you are. Because when you naturally go, I want my math students over here and my language students over here, or you're my smart child and you're my artistic child, you're grouping by what they are. But when you say, I want my students who are studying music, I want my students who are up to this stage in maths. I want my, my, this child is learning a lot of maths or whatever it is that you're doing. When it becomes about what you do, not who you are, I I think Mm -hmm. there's a real power there. And it just creates that, stops you categorizing people. And the actor Sam Neill talks about this. Um, I watched a video with him a while ago, and he talks about how his whole life he'd been categorized as being an actor. And when he had that sort of category applied to him, he generated a lot of fear to start with because he didn't have any formal training. So he didn't really consider himself as being an actor. And he was always worried that, you know, will people find out that I'm not really an actor? And then he talks about how, as an actor, you're often out of work. You don't have continuous jobs. You work in sort of chunks. And it impacted him greatly when, you know, when he was, act- when he was working, he was an actor. But when he wasn't working, if he was an actor, what was he? Like, I'm not acting. So how, what? And so it actually affected his sense of identity. Mm. And he talks about that in the context of causing depression and all sorts of other things. And when he learned to say, I'm not an actor, I'm just a person who acts. Mm. And he said, when I'm on a job, that's great, I'm a person who's acting. When I'm not on a job, I'm a person who's doing something else. And I can go back to doing acting later on. And he said it had a very freeing effect on it. And I think that links back to all the things we were talking about before, about how this is a reflection of the way the world really works. And that's, you know, that capacity to exercise free will and to understand that you don't have to be tomorrow the person you are today, um, puts us in a position to be gracious, to be thankful, to be humble, and frankly to be better humans which is what this mm-hmm. works all about so the last one creating nudges is all about helping us overcome our false our fixed mindset of false mindset tendencies and to um feel our environments make it more likely to fill our environments with more and more positive mindset movements to move ourselves along that continuum i think that's. Mm-hmm. That's six or seven or eight of the five you asked for. Yeah, you give
2: one. Yeah, you're taking. I love it, me.
1: To
0: go about that. That was brilliant. Um, well, thank you very much for enlightening us by answering our questions. But on a serious note, if people have got questions or want to get in touch with you or want to find out more, where do we need to go, James? Where do, where can they be a James Anderson groupie like we are? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so jamesanderson.com.au is where to go so jamesanderson.com.au i don't know if you've picked up an accent today but i am australian um you can download the first chapter of that um to to read which sort of sets up some of those big pictures the other one i'd encourage you um this one which is a book all about the mindset continuum another free book that you can download i give it away uh, and talks about all those ideas around false mindset and how to overcome it and how we work with these ideas in schools so they'd be great resources as well and of course if you want to know more about this there's two wonderful women on this screen that can do this job <laughs> as well
0: oh thank you thank, thank
1: you, you. Uh, it's, been really, it's been an
0: absolute pleasure really, um, so yes if you would like to know more about James head to his website you can follow him on and um, social media as well and um, just be wary of the time difference what time is it there James for you now
1: It's coming up to 20 to 8 in the evening and I haven't had dinner yet so oh, heading well. back
0: but I've not had breakfast so that's on making <laughs> it partly even <laughs> yeah, <come laughs> right. but yeah thank you once again we really do appreciate you spending some time with us uh, yeah
2: thank yeah, you james it's been uh,
1: great learned so much from the two of you as well it's been uh, been great i hope we can do this sort of stuff again let's let's schedule another yeah. yeah, two months time and see where we've got to
2: fabulous